Episode 154. Late Night Internet Marketing. This week on the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast, we talk about whether your glass is half full or if it's cracked and dirty with fingerprints all over it. Yuck. You know what I'm talking about. We also talk about when is it time to kill stuff off and and move on to something new. And finally, I'm going to talk to you about the three different Amazon business models. This is going to be the first part of a multi-part series where we start talking a little bit of what I've been doing on Amazon. All this and more on the Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. The Late Night Internet Marketing Podcast. You've been working for somebody else. But you want a business to run yourself. You want to know how to start and where to begin. Can you get out your comfort zone, my friend? Yes, you can do it right when it's late at night. At the end of the day, your dreams burning inside. So keep it up and you will find that you Now, broadcasting late at night from a little studio in the big state of Texas, your host, Mark Mason. Hey, 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 how's everyone doing today? If you are new to the show, I am your host, Mark Mason. I want to thank you for being here. I help people start and grow internet businesses, especially people that are working part-time. They have a day gig and they're trying to get something going, and I'm so happy that you are here. It's been a crazy week since Free the Dream and lots of stuff, lots of activity going on. It's been really exciting. A lot of activity around Cliff's community. The Free the Dream community is super fired up. If you didn't hear about Free the Dream, I talk about that last week in episode 153. I want to encourage you to go listen to that That was a lot of fun and just a really impactful time that I had there with Cliff and his community at Free the Dream Live. And one of the things that something like that does is it reminds you of the importance of mindset in everyday life. And I talked last week about affirmations, and I've gotten those affirmations in place using the, the, uh, the app that we talked about last week. And I continue to see in everyday life where these places pop up where people are looking at things with limiting beliefs and and just the kinds of things that were addressed at Free the Dream. And so I wanted to give you, rather than just all this foo-foo, rah-rah stuff about, you know, how you should feel good and be happy, I want to give you some concrete examples and, and maybe help you recognize some things that are going on in your own life that you could change, take some real action. So I'm a member of many Facebook groups, as you know, including some Facebook groups around course creation. And I want to tell you the story that was posted in one of these Facebook groups. And I want to read to you the post or, you know, an edited version of the post to protect the innocent and my response. And so here's the post from this person who created a course. And she says, my nightmare came true, exclamation point. I recently launched my course, and of the two people that bought the course, one wants a full refund. She's taken the full course and was disappointed that one topic wasn't covered. 
She reached out to me at 11 p.m. on the weekend, and I emailed her back acknowledging that I got her email and that I'd respond with answers to her questions. And I did that, even though the thing that she wanted to know about was already copied uh, or co covered as a big topic in my private Facebook group. Now, I do state that I have a 100% money-back guarantee within 30 days by default, but I'm so frustrated that this person has the information already, and I even went out of my way to answer her question, and she still wanted a refund. And I feel like this person is stealing from me. And, and what do you guys do with customers like this? And I, I want to tell you, man, there are so many things. I First of all, let me say, I totally understand this person's angst and anger and frustration. There's a lot of things to unpack in this email that go to mindset. And when I see someone with all this kind of stuff packed into one paragraph or two paragraphs on Facebook, these are the kind of people that I really worry about and want to help because anyone with this many negative points of view and limiting beliefs all crammed into one idea, they got real trouble ahead. I mean, it's really hard to be successful as an entrepreneur when this is your mindset. So what I said was, hey, I know that's frustrating, but you can't control what other people do. You can only control what you do. You could choose to spend energy being frustrated, or you could focus on giving this person a great customer experience. She wants a refund within the policy, so you should give it, in my opinion. Then you could thank her for spending time taking your course and tell her you're sorry it didn't work out, but ask her what you could have done differently. Because some of her ideas or complaints or issues could be the one thing that makes your course a true winner in the future. So instead of focusing on the empty part of the glass, you got to focus on the full part. Wish that person well and go off and sell another 100,000 copies of your course. So that was my advice. And you can kind of see where I'm going with this. But if you break down the email, that original Facebook post rather, Man, there's there's a lot of stuff going on there. First thing, the first sentence is, my nightmare came true. Now, what does this say? This says that this person was sitting around worried about refunds, worried about getting refunds. And I'm going to tell you what, that's what she was focused on. She was focused on these refunds and, and, and that there's so many problems with that. The first thing is, what she's really saying is she's not sure that the content that she's created is worth the money that she spent that that she's charging for it and therefore people are going to ask for their money and I'm going to tell you what her customers they can pick up on that uncertainty that value uncertainty they can sniff it out and that's going to create more refunds in fact I will tell you you will manifest the things that you focus on. Your mind, your subconscious mind will find a way to go get refunds if that's what you're thinking about. And sure enough, here comes the refund, which just makes the cycle worse because she's focused on refunds. And well, yep, there you go. I was right. Here come the refunds. And that is such a negative, destructive sort of way to think about anything. And then she she decides to, to view it. She says, of the two people that bought my course, as if she's saying, 
I'm a failure because only two people bought my course. One wants a full refund. So she's choosing to interpret this whole situation as a 50% refund rate. Another interpretation is she got, she's got an opportunity to get valuable feedback from one person who's didn't meet the needs and a second opportunity to help somebody who took the course, who maybe can provide a testimonial and give more positive information. There's another thing here that she needs to be asking, which is I've only sold two. Why is that? What opportunity does that illuminate for me? Because that either illuminates the opportunity to do better marketing. Maybe it means that her initial viability research for a course wasn't good and that she doesn't really have a viable product. And now she knows. I mean, there's lots of things that could be going on there. Then in this, this post, you know, I, I read to you all this stuff about how she doesn't deserve the refund because she delivered everything. She went out of her way. She answered this email at 11 o'clock. She covered all this in the private Facebook group. She doesn't deserve this refund. She is what? She's the victim. See, she's being victimized. She, she, this refund is, is an attack on her and she's the victim and oh boy, you know, she's just really, you know, don't you feel sorry for her, the victim? Look, that's the wrong approach. She's made this whole thing about herself that the, you know, she's being impacted by this re this refund. And really what the right point of view is the customer. What, why, why is the refund happening? Wow. I, I, if you come from a place where you expect to delight your customers because you know you're delivering amazing value, you should be surprised by the refund and curious about either what you can do to make the customer's experience delightful or what you can do to change the course so that future refunds don't happen or both really. And so the, the, all the language here is messed up about how I don't deserve this refund because I've done too much, so much work. Hey, that may be true and, and, and good on you if you're doing all this stuff and you don't deserve refunds. But when you get one, the focus shouldn't be about how you're the victim. The focus should be on what you can do to help the person who's dissatisfied because that's the point of your business is to delight and satisfy customers. Then she, you know, she says, I've got a 100% money back guarantee in the first 30 days by default of the software that she's using. Now she's trying to shift blame almost in this language that she's using because she's using the standard refund policy that comes with her software platform that she's using. And so somehow it's their fault. She shouldn't have to issue this refund, but now she's got to because she accidentally accepted this return. Well, I say... I mean, this, this policy, I say, if the customer wants a refund, you should sort of give it to them and make sure they have a great experience anyway. So who cares about this? This is just blame shifting and, you know, she didn't want it to be her fault. So then she mentions again, that she went out of her way to help this person and somehow she shouldn't get the refund. But again, she's the victim. What should she do? Should she eat it? That's what, that's her language. Should she eat it, eat the refund and be happy? The person is gone, not causing any more trouble. Well, again, this is all kinds of messed up language, right? You, it, the refund is not about eating it. You, you are delivering value in your business. And when a person 
agrees that that value has merit and and there really is value there they exchange money for that value and if they if they evaluate your product and they don't agree for whatever reason that the product is valuable for them then you know they want their money back and that's perfectly reasonable because they didn't see the value and it doesn't mean the course is bad look there could be a brain surgery course from the Mayo Clinic that is the best brain surgery course on the face of the planet. It could be the most incredibly valuable brain surgery course on the market today worth $10 billion. But guess what? I'm not a brain surgeon. The value of that brain surgery course to me is zero. And in a similar way, if your customers are expecting one thing and you give them a little something different that they weren't quite expecting, it doesn't quite meet their expectations, their value that they place on that is less. And in some cases, that's going to result in a refund. It doesn't mean your course or your product is bad. It just means there's not a good match between your offer and the buyer. And we expect in this business a certain non-zero rate of return, so it's okay. So the point of all this exciting discussion is I want you to pay attention to your language. I'm not exactly even asking you at this point to change your language, but what I want you to do is pay attention to the words that you use. Words are powerful. This is one of the things that is discussed extensively at Free the Dream. It's why it's on my mind, okay? So, you know, here's Cliff, uh, infecting me with his vision of the future, right? But it's true. It, it's it's something that we've both talked about for years, and it's I want you to be aware. The first step in all of these things is always becoming aware. So I want you to just spend some time this week being aware of the language you use. Is it is it positive, affirming, constructive language? You know, wow, I wonder what this person saw that I didn't see. I wonder what I can learn from this situation. I wonder what I can do to make my course better as a result of this feedback. Or is it this destructive language of, oh, I can't believe this person is doing this to me. I'm the victim. Is it that kind of language? Or is it language about how stupid the other person is and how they're wrong? What, what, is, the, what is the language that you're using? And this doesn't have to be limited to your business. This can be about your spouse or your children or the people that you work with on a daily basis. What, what is the little voice in your head saying? What words is that little man in your head or woman in your head? What, what, what words is that little person using? And what words are coming out of your mouth? Because I'm going to tell you, those words that come out of your mouth, they're critically important and you need to pay attention. So again, your action for, for this week is don't try to change your, your, your whole approach and language this week, but pay attention make an assessment and let me know if you recognize some words that maybe you ought to change some language you ought to change. Give me a, drop me a shout out in the show notes or send me a note at uh, support at late night. I'd love to hear from you on this topic. Okay. So second mindset topic is all about what I'm going to call cutting stuff off, right? Sometimes you got to decide, Hey, I've been doing this thing and I it's not working and I need to go do something else. And especially for people like us entrepreneurs and maybe me especially, we have more good ideas than we have time and 
let's be honest, some of our good ideas turn out to be not all that great. And so one of the things, and this is something that I've learned and relearned and heard and had beaten into me by my good friend, Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner. Dude, sometimes you just have to stop doing a thing, either because it's not working or because it doesn't have value or because it is keeping you from working on something else. Because when you say yes to something, by definition, you're saying no to something else. And so you got to make these choices all the time. The problem is sometimes we're doing things and we just keep doing them or we've got these things in the back of our mind that we're going to do someday. And I'll give you my example. My example is a long time ago, I had this idea for a, a, a podcast that would go alongside this podcast called the Late Night Internet Marketing Minute or Internet Marketing Minute for short. You can find it on iTunes. If you're listening to this soon enough, you'll find it. If not, um, you will, uh, if you can't find it, it's because of what I'm about to tell you. For a long time, I put this podcast out there and the idea was discoverability, little short bites. And actually, this came out of a conversation that I had with Fat, with, <laughs> with Pat Flynn, who often in high school was called Fat Pin. That's another long topic that we could have at another time. But um, Pat Flynn and I were having this discussion around the time he started Ask Pat 2.0, or when he started Ask Pat, rather, which is now called Ask Pat 2.0, about short format shows. And I started one and he started one. Well, I couldn't keep up with mine. And so while I like the idea of it, it's been sitting there for a couple of years and it's still on iTunes and it's dead. And I've been thinking about revising it, but now I've made a decision because I'm focusing on this show and a couple of other things, I'm killing that off. Now, my, my question to you, my ask for you is, what things have you been dragging along that are either using up your mental energy, your emotional energy, or actual work that you need to stop because they're not going in your true direction. They're, they're taking cycles away from something else that you really should be focusing on. Uh, what are those things for you? Can you identify them? So here's a couple of actions for you this week. One, one thing I want you to do is think about that. And maybe the answer for you is no, there aren't things, but I bet there are things and they may be outside of your business, things that you have been doing that you shouldn't be doing. You're wasting time. You're wasting energy. What are those things? And can you summon the courage that it takes to stop them? And here are two resources that I want to offer you. Um, one thing, one resource that I want to offer you is a really good book called Necessary Endings. You can find this book on Amazon really easily. Type in Necessary Endings. It's by Henry Cloud. And it talks about this idea that sometimes uh, in order to move forward, we, there are things that we need to give up. Sometimes the things are people, sometimes they're activities, and sometimes there are you know other things in your life that you need to give up in order to move forward. Then the other thing that I, the other book that I want to talk to you about is the One Thing book. Now this is a, a a thing a book that's about focusing on you guessed it the most important thing. It's the simple surprising truth behind how people get extraordinary results. And the, the gist of the book is if you really want extraordinary results, sometimes what's necessary 
is to really focus. And that's a book by Gary Keller. These are both books that I've read that I strongly recommend. If you are feeling defocused, if you are feeling like you have, you're, you're going in a million different directions, these two books are the right books for you. I want to encourage you to do that. So again, your actions for this week, think about the things you might need to stop Take a look at these two books, Necessary Endings and The One Thing over on Amazon. Read the synopsis and see if those uh, turn on any light bulbs for you this week. It's time to get to work building your internet business. One night at a time. Okay, so last but not least and maybe mostly important is I wanted to start talking to you guys about Amazon. I've been working on this Amazon business. I have um, serious intentions of making this uh, a part of a longstanding and long-term part of my internet marketing revenue that I generate at late night internetmarketing.com. And I want to talk to you about it because I think what it represents is a kind of business that would be easy not easy. No, no online business is easy. You heard it here first. Online business is hard, but I think it's the kind of business a lot of you might be interested in starting. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about it today. Now, I'm going to argue that there are sort of three different kinds of Amazon business. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I just want to explain to you the three different kinds of Amazon business that people are currently engaged in. So you get a sense of uh, what's out there in terms of Amazon. If you're like me, Amazon is this thing, you know, it's going on, but you haven't paid much attention to it. So you don't know much about it. That's where I started. So if that's where you are, that's absolutely fine. That's where we all start. So the one that you hear about all the time, and if you go looking for courses on Amazon, the, the thing that you hear about time and time again is Amazon private label. And what this business model does, essentially boils down to is the following. You look on Amazon to identify or elsewhere to identify a product that you can sell on Amazon as your own. So for example, you might notice on Amazon that there's a birdhouse, a particular, let's call it a purple Martin birdhouse for the, for you bird people out there. I know you're out there. My wife is a bird person and I know there are others like her. So I know you bird people are out there. Let's say you look at the, the most popular purple Martin birdhouses out there and they all have three-star reviews and they all have a couple of problems that it's common with every purple Martin birdhouse. Let's say, you know, purple Martin birdhouses, you put them up very high on a pole. Let's say the big problem with all these birdhouses is after a period of time, the, the pole connection at the top wears out in the birdhouse falls down. I'm totally making this up, but you can imagine these reviews on Amazon, right? I put up this birdhouse and six months later it fell off the pole. And that's maybe that's a common problem. So you can recognize that and you see that there's a big demand for Purple Martin birdhouses. You can see that on Amazon that those are selling, but you can also see that there's an easy way to improve Purple Martin birdhouses is to improve this thing. So you look for these kinds of opportunities. Another example, one that's really famous, the guys over at Jungle Scout, they looked and they saw that there were a lot of marshmallow roasters out there, but they were hard to clean up. The ones that were made out of metal were hard to clean up, and the ones that were made out of bamboo were too short. 
So what were they really, and people burnt their hands or they got too hot. So what was really needed in the marketplace, in the, in the marshmallow roasting marketplace, which, you know, these niches sometimes are amazing. Um, what's really needed was a really long bamboo disposable marshmallow roaster that would hold up to the fire and all that. And so those guys over at Jungle Scout, which is an Amazon um, research software as a service kind of company, um, as an example, they made these and they've sold a, more than a million dollars, I think by now hundreds of thousands of dollars, at least for sure, of marshmallow, of these sticks that you can use to roast marshmallows, right? Because they recognized a spot in the market where there was demand, people need sticks on which to roast marshmallows, but because s'mores, right? You got to have those. Um, but um, they did not have the right thing in the marketplace was not available on Amazon. So they contracted with someone in China to make these things to their specifications. They patented them when appropriate. I don't know if you can actually patent a stick, but if it's a possible to protect your, your thing, you can do that either with a design or a utility patent. Maybe we'll bring uh, my brother on sometime to talk about the difference between a design patent and a utility patent. And then um, you sell it on Amazon on your label, Jungle Scout Sticks. And no one else can sell Jungle Scout Sticks in the same way that no one else can sell uh, a Porsche 911. Only Porsche can sell a Porsche. So only Jungle Scout can sell these Jungle Scout Sticks. And so that is private label. You have someone else, usually in China, manufacture something, and then you you bring that, um, you sell that on Amazon. That has all kinds of challenges and interesting opportunities, and we'll talk about those in a future episode, but that's business model number one. Business model number two is something that got started, I think, uh, sort of on the complete other end of the spectrum called retail arbitrage. You'll also see this sometimes um, as online arbitrage. And I don't know if you know this, but you can sell, you can get an account on Amazon and you can sell anything you want on there, including used items. And the only caveat is it has to, well, this is not exactly true, but in this model that we're talking about, if it's something that's already for sale on Amazon, you can also sell it. So let's say, for example, that um, you are, you have a camera, a new in the box camera, a Canon EOS camera, and you want to sell it on Amazon um, in general, whether it's used or new in the box, you can get an account on Amazon and you can list that thing. In fact, you can pause this recording right now and go around and collect up all the junk in your house and you can sell it on Amazon. Well, and in that way, it's kind of like eBay. You know, a lot of people did this for a long time on eBay. They sold stuff on eBay. Uh, but, you know, eBay has kind of declined since then. And Amazon, of course, is taking over the whole world. So if you go to buy stuff on Amazon, you'll notice that you go to, you know, buy some, you know, a box of uh, wooden train toys. And you'll notice that the wooden train toy is for sale and you can click buy now or there are 17 other sellers that sell it and there's also used pricing because people with that exact same toy that want to sell it used can do that on Amazon. Well, retail arbitrage is this idea that you go to different places either in the real world, retail or online, online arbitrage, 
and you find clearance sales and other amazing deals and you buy up a bunch of inventory and then you bring it home and label it and either send it in or place it for sale on Amazon. So for example, let's say you go to Walmart today and in the clearance bin of Walmart, you see these, I don't know, nose hair trimmers. How's that for a delightful product? You find these nose hair trimmers. They're normally $19.99 at, Am- at, uh, at Walmart, um, or let's say they're $19.99 retail. Walmart normally sells them for $14.99, but they've got them in the $4.99 closeout bin because for whatever reason, Walmart's decided they're not going to carry them anymore. So there's, let's say there's 20 of these things on the shelf, 20 nose hair trimmers that normally full pop retail for these is 20 bucks. You can buy them for five bucks. So you can see where I'm going with this. You can fill your cart to the ceiling with nose hair trimmers, which is going to get you some funny looks when you go through the checkout line. And then assuming these are selling well on Amazon, which there's software you can use to figure this out, you can bring those home and you can start to sell them on Amazon. In fact, you can go to every Walmart in your town and the next town over and you can buy all of the nose hair trimmers like this out of this re, out of this bin out of this deal bin at Walmart for you know in a hundred mile radius you can get them all you can load your whole garage up with these and sell them all on Amazon and that's what people that are doing retail arbitrage do and they label these things one at a time and they send them in and some people are making good money doing this hundreds of dollars thousands of dollars in some cases tens of thousands of dollars maybe in a few limited cases. $100,000 a month, maybe. I haven't seen that case, but certainly tens of thousands of dollars a month you can make aggressively doing retail and online arbitrage. And the online part helps because you can find those same kind of clearance deals online. And what's great about online is you don't have to spend time driving to every Walmart within a hundred mile radius. You can sit in the comfort of your own home and order this stuff and have it shipped to your house and then do the arbitrage thing. So that can be done. And that is the second business model, retail and online arbitrage. Now, I don't think that scales very well. Those are hard to find. Um, those deals are hard to find. you got to go to Walmart. You know, I don't like that. So there's this middle ground that's, um, you've probably heard a lot about this online if you follow this sort of stuff. This is the third business model. And the one that I am doing and the one that we're going to talk about extensively over the next, over the coming months is the wholesale business model on Amazon. So, it's exactly what it sounds like, but it requires that you understand one thing that a lot of people don't realize. When you go to buy something on Amazon, usually what it says is for sale by um, you know Bob's Warehouse and, sh- and fulfilled by Amazon. And what that means is the guy who is supplying the product to you is some, some company named Bob's warehouse. They're, they're the ones that actually own the product that you're buying, but Amazon is doing the fulfillment. And what that means usually nine times out of 10 is that Bob has shipped the product into Amazon's warehouse and it's sitting there in Amazon's warehouse waiting on someone to buy it so that a robot can, yes, a actual robot can grab this product and ship it to you uh, through Amazon prime. And for that privilege of shipping you the product and and providing the platform marketing to you on Amazon.com, Amazon charges Bob something on the order of a third of the retail price, a third to half of the retail price, depending on what it is. So Amazon gets a big chunk. 
Bob gets the rest and out of the rest, Bob pays for the product. So let's, let's take an example. Let's say Bob buys a hundred boxes of, I don't know, pick something, um, a hundred boxes of rubber bullets, a hundred boxes of rubber bullets. I, I don't know. Can you buy rubber bullets on Amazon? I have no idea. So he buys a hundred boxes of rubber bullets, Granny Smith's rubber bullets. Okay. A very specific brand, a UPC code in the hundred box count. But let's say you buy a box of a hundred, a hundred boxes of a hundred rubber bullets. You can, um, Buy those, label them for sale on Amazon, requires a special label. And let's say you buy them, you pay $5 a box, you ship them into Amazon. And let's say that you and seven other guys like you are selling rubber bullets on Amazon for 20 bucks a box. Well, Amazon, of course, they're doing the marketing. They've got the traffic. So they're, that's what I'm calling marketing here. They're providing the sale and they're doing the fulfillment. They're shipping the rubber bullets from the Amazon warehouse to whoever buys them. And for that privilege, let's say they take seven bucks. So you paid $5 for, for the bullets. Amazon takes seven and sold it for 20. So that's 12 bucks out of 20. You keep eight. And out of that eight, you have some other expenses like the cost, you know, to prep the product for Amazon. So maybe you make $5 a box on Amazon. So this on those bullets sold on Amazon. So this is wholesale. You buy things in bulk wholesale, you get wholesale pricing, just as if you had a, re, a real brick and mortar retail store, you set up relationships with wholesalers and you buy stuff and you send it into Amazon and you sell it and you keep the difference between the cost to buy the product and the cost that Amazon gets you. The difference between that and the, the retail price is what you get to keep. Now, there are a lot of complexities to this that we're going to talk about, but I think most people can, this is a business that most people can get up and running. And since I'm in the business of helping people start businesses, this has become very interesting to me because I think it's a real thing that people can do. Um, there are some challenges with it that we'll talk about, but these are the three business models. Private label on one end of the spectrum, which has benefits and issues we'll talk about in a future episode. Retail or online arbitrage on the other end of the spectrum, where you're onesie twosie finding products that you can buy and resell on Amazon. And then the middle ground, what I consider to be the middle ground, wholesale sourcing for Amazon, where you buy products wholesale and you ship them in to fulfillment by Amazon and sell tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product a month. Now, you may be asking me, well, what's the, what's the profit on $10,000 worth of sales or $20,000 worth of sales? Most of the gurus will tell you that once you get to volume, it's pretty straightforward to make 20% margin on this kind of business. I've seen that kind of margin on individual products, but I've also made mistakes that caused me to lose money. So I've run the business everywhere from break even on up to a few percent but my goal is to get it up to 20%. And we'll talk some more about that. So this is a very interesting business. One that you can scale almost arbitrarily large with a little help, a little simple outsourcing. You could easily get, I think, to $100,000 a month in, in retail sales or more um, and you know, make 10, 15, 20% of that. Now, if you're making 
10 or 15 or 20% of $100,000 a month in sales, that's starting to sound like real money to me. So there you go. So those are the three models. We'll be talking about that more in the future. But for now, I want you to think about your action items that we talked about. I want you to think about the language that you're using. I want you to think about uh, whether or not there's some things that you need to put an end to. And I want you to do that thinking between now and when we next meet next week on the late night internet marketing podcast. Ciao. You can do it right when it's late at night. You've been listening to the late night internet marketing podcast. Be sure to visit latenightpodcast.com today to leave feedback for Mark. Download special bonus content, access the show notes and more. See you there. Until then. Until then, go and make some great progress on your internet business. One night at a time. One night at a time. I'm actually looking up rubber bullets uh, and rubber bullets. It turns out uh, rubber bullets is actually a book. I don't think you can buy rubber bullets on Amazon. So it's a bad example. Hey, it's Mark again. I wanted to tell you one more time about this absolutely free resource that I have for helping people who are trying to get the big picture for internet marketing, actually get started and understand what all their choices are. If that's not you, there's no more content. You can skip to the end. But if you're someone who came to this podcast because you're searching for how to get started online and you just can't cut through all the noise, I get it. That was me in 2007 when I was trying to get started. There were so many people throwing offers at me that I really couldn't even understand what all the different business models were. I couldn't understand how money moved around on the internet and I couldn't really get a grip on what direction I wanted to go in so I could figure out how to move forward. I've created a free video resource for you just for that purpose at latenightim.com forward slash explain. In several short videos, I just explained to you what internet marketing is all about and what online business is all about and the different options that you have for starting an online business. There's nothing to buy there. You just sign up for access and you get the videos just like that. So if that's interesting to you or if you know someone who's in the same situation, send them that link, latenightim.com forward slash explain. And let me know what you think. I'd love to hear what people are thinking that are in the exact same position that I was in more than a decade ago in 2007. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. And in some ways, it seems like an entire lifetime ago. Again, that's latenightim.com forward slash explain. Late night